Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience revelatory teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Well, good evening, everyone. I'm not Dr. Price. I know you're shocked. I am Prophet Ashley. (laughs) And just kicking us off this evening with a just an amazing reflection on what has been happening to us as apostolic Christians on this journey with Dr. Price. We're actually hitting like the one-year mark of broadcasting every week, not just the Paul Price Show, but the one-year mark with Discipling Apostolic Christians, the ABCs of Apostleship. I cannot believe it has been a year already. It seems like a blink. And sometimes it seems longer that we have been on this ABC's journey of discipling apostolic Christians, not just any old kind of Christian. Even though the origins of Christianity stem from apostleship, most of us were birthed in the evangelical paradigm. And so it's such a shift on our brains to come in line in the beginning with this because it seems, it sounds foreign to the ear, but it seems familiar to the spirit. I remember when I met Dr. Price, and her word was so different from anything I heard because I was raised as Tell Me of God, but there was something in my spirit that knew this was exactly where I needed to be. Now, I couldn't repeat three sentences that she said on a Sunday in the beginning. Bless God, but I took notes like my life depended on it, <laughs> and then I was smart. I worked myself into a job of editing tapes. Then it was tapes, okay, because it was like 2000, and we were still doing tapes. I know it doesn't seem like it, but we were, and I listened and listened and listened. And I didn't realize that faith really does come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I began to believe in what I was hearing, even though I couldn't always articulate it in the beginning because of listening over and over. And I I encourage you all to keep listening because it is that listening that will increase your faith in what God is doing in your spirit. We do have to believe that he is. <laughs> believe that he is. And, you know, I know that the rest of that statement goes on to talk about, well, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, but he is. You have to believe that he is all God and all man. Hmm, there's a song about that that somebody wrote, that he is the Alpha and Omega. And apostolic Christianity really does lay the foundation and the parameters and the proof as to why he is all that he says that he is, because it is apostleship, apostolic Christianity, that's going to take you back to the eternal roots and then take us forward to our eternal destination all in one round trip. And that's what's powerful about being an apostolic Christian is that we are not limited to the earthly expression of Jesus Christ. I'm in my apostleship training, and we're going through the Jesus classes. Dr. Price talked about them on the show the other week. I encourage you to purchase these classes so you can get connected with your eternal Lord. We are connected to our temple, our earthly Jesus, the the one that we can, well, I can't even say we can look at, the one that we've crafted pictures about who he is. And for some, we see pictures of him in dreads, and others sees the blonde hair, blue eyed, and the brown hair, and, and all those things but never really connecting with who he is as the eternal Christ. And what in, I'll tell you what, that's not even a statement I ever heard. Eternal Christ? What? Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, I had that down. That Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, you're messing with my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ understanding. What is this eternal Jesus 
we're talking about. And being an apostolic Christian really does give those answers to the eternal Christ and not just the, the earthly Savior because even when we say our Savior, he is a Savior, but he saves more than what we think he saves. When we say salvation, we say, thank you, Jesus, Lord God, he just loved me so much. And isn't that true? But his salvation expedition and campaign was much more than that. It's much bigger than us, although we are included in it. We are not the totality of why he came. But again, you have to be an episode Christian to even get that, understand it. And I would say be reconnected with our apostolic roots, because as we have learned and continue to learn, we are all birthed apostolically. That is the office that established Christianity. That is how we all come in, and then we get talked out of it. (laughs) And you can tell you get talked out of it, because new Christians have a staunch belief about who the Lord is, even though they cannot quote the Bible. It comes out of their spirit. It comes out of their mouth. God can do anything, and he's all-powerful, and he's this, and then you have to be talked into him being a loving God, the domicile Jesus. No, 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 don't get all uh, haughty in yourself, and, and don't get all prideful in what you say about Christianity. That's not who God is. That's how you know we are inherently apostolic in nature, and we have to be reshaped and remade into a dimension of ourselves that is not holistically natural and really who we are. Because a real saint, that baby Christian, just like babies, tell you what's really going on in the house. Well, mom said, and you're like, now see, don't don't say that outside the house. Baby Christians, just say it because God is flooding them. Jesus Christ is lighting up their spirits. He's killing all that sin, slaying all those devils, delivering them every day. They're getting up out of their beds every day, having visions and and, uh, visitations of God and prayer and worship. And none of this other stuff was in their way until we put it there. That's how you know apostolic Christianity is truly who we are at our core because we get off of the floor talking about Jesus Christ as he is, not as we've been taught. And that is pretty impressive. That is a, a, an amazing plan that Jesus Christ has for a program. Oh, I'm good to go. <laughs> are you good to go, Dr. Wright? Mm-hmm. I was good to go. That's pretty exciting to me. Oh. I'm telling you. But, uh, you know, i tell you the truth. I am good to go. You know, I'm good to go about so many things um, that we are, we have to get ready for this. Yes, we, we do. We have to. We have to get ready to take this thing for the Lord Jesus Christ and to help people understand, you know, to help them get it. Yeah, well, what's happening and what's God doing and what's our role and what's happening to the church and is this God and is this not? I mean, that's half of the reason we're so confused. That is so true. That is true. Well, I'm good to go if you are, because you have definitely made me understand, you know. All right. We are good. We're going live. Oh, we're going live. All the way live. All the way. You're live. Hallelujah. I am live trying to get myself ready because I've got so much to say to you today. I can't believe it. God is doing God, and I'm just excited about what he's doing. But I want to talk to you today about where we are as a country. So let me look up. I got Periscope. I got Facebook. I got Blog Talk. Um, Unfortunately, you guys missed Ashley's interesting and very powerful and, I think, inspiring expectation. (laughs) You know, we're we're grooming her for her apostleship. She's got about another two years. And I thank you. Shut up. Because I don't rush my people. I set my people up to succeed, not to fail. 
So you, you know, if you're gonna roll with me, you have to be ready to know that you're gonna succeed and not fail. Because if if we set you up to just just work your gift, that means we really are setting you up to fail. Because you don't know what you're doing. You're feeling your way, you know. And feeling your way never guarantees success unless, of course, you're just, you know, kind of in a dark place. But I want to say to you, I'm excited about tonight. I want to say hi, greetings to the kids. We are going to do some powerful, powerful exploration tonight about it. We've already talked about, you know, apostolic Christians, and we've been talking about apostolic Christians because, well, (laughs) that's what we are, uh, apostolic Christians. But I just want to say to you, I want you all to really understand what we are facing today. You know, what are we facing today? What are we talking about today? How are we making today happen? And so I'm pulling your stuff together because I want God to speak to you like never before. And and, and he will because I'm going bold. Just in case they didn't know it, Ashley. Yeah. In case you didn't know, Dr. Price is a bold lady. I'm going bold. I'm going to talk boldly about the things of God and about apostolic Christianity. Now, I've been talking about this. You know, we've been, she said this is a year. So we've been talking about this and talking about this and talking about this for a year. We've been on every week. Um, I've only missed a couple of weeks. Probably, I mean, you all did allow me to get a vacation or two. And so, but for the most part, I made it my business to be here every week for you because that is what God assigned me to do. And he assigned me to, to come before you every week, Tuesday and Thursday nights, regarding the first two offices of his church that are absent in mainstream Christianity. And where they're not absent, they are definitely dismissed, you know, dismissed. And so much so that you can't go and get a degree in being an apostle, you can't get a degree in being a prophet, um, you know, in mainstream anything. Uh, so if that's your calling, you got to be trained to something else and then go catch it still on the run. But if that's the case, then we just need to start out on the run because we're not going to get what God ordained us to do. So what the Lord has done for me since 1982 is he groomed me to understand him and those two places. We, the reason we have fivefold is because Jesus occupies all offices of the church in every office of the kingdom. When scripture says that he's the firstborn of the living, firstborn of the dead, firstborn of creation, firstborn of the firstborn, when, when it says that, it's telling you that everything that God ever did, he put in Jesus Christ. And he put in Jesus Christ because he made Jesus Christ the exact extension of himself. So he took everything that God is, and he put him into this person called Jesus Christ, called him a son. And he used that term because the word, he just really wanted us to understand this is a person that came out of my very being. When Jesus was on the planet, God was fond of saying, this is my beloved son. Hear him. This is my beloved son. He, he wanted everybody to know that. Like, it wasn't a, humans, it really at that point didn't matter because humans didn't know what son of God or not son of God anyway because we had not yet been enlightened. We're still in the, under the darkness. But it mattered to all of the spiritual forces. This is my son. Aha, Satan gotcha. I snuck him in a plant while you weren't sleeping, while, while you were sleeping, while you were being arrogant. And so he wanted everybody to know this is his son. And God put everything, everything, everything in his son. Now, understand, Jesus, I, I, I really rejoice in the Lord. I think he's probably one of the, of the most amazing people you'll ever meet. First of all, this guy is fighting for his inheritance. He's got all creation contesting his inheritance, contesting his will 
contesting his last will and testament. Jesus is under contest after contest after contest all the time. And so he, he, he sought to give us an opportunity to, to stand with him and to help him defend his father's righteousness, to produce the kingdom that his father wanted, to produce the species on this planet that his father wanted. And most times we can't do it. We can't do it because we still have, you know, five senses. You know, see, touch, taste, feel, hear. That's it. And yet, but God is going after something. And so what I do and what I seek to do, and I'm thinking me and so many more of my, you know, apostleship colleagues and peers, we seek to bring these things back online, to bring them back into their place, because we've clearly seen that, that the church can't be kept with pastors and evangelists. Otherwise, why are we lost? Now, that's not a put-down. It's just a fact. Sometimes if we don't face the facts, we can't face the truth. If we can't face the truth, we can't get free, nor can we be the solution. So because if your faith is in the, the error, if your faith is in the shortfall, then you can't ever be the solution. So God wanted us to understand what this is all about. I think you're going to appreciate this evening as we talk about what it is all about. And I'm going to tie it into the Grammy that we have with Sister Beyonce. And the God, she made y'all bow down and worship. Because, see, Satan always uses the, the entertainment industry to do anything. When Henry VIII was ready to pull Protestantism away from the Catholic Church, he did it through Shakespeare's plays, and he did it through the arts. That's an age-old tactic. He did it through the arts, and he had dramas in his palace all the time. As a matter of fact, if, if, if Henry VIII didn't want to marry Anne Boleyn, Shakespeare wouldn't have become who he became. See, because it's all about gods and nations. It's never about anything less. Every man walks in the name of his God. And so I want you to recognize that, and so does every leader. Now, we've been telling you this for over a year, and this woman stands up and shows you that. Madonna showed you that, Lady Gaga, and you all are letting them bring you into their gods. You know what they're making you do? They're making you bow to their gods and do what Satan wanted Jesus to do on the mountaintop. All this will be yours if you bow down and worship me. And so... All the, I, mean, you, I listen to the Christians, we're, all of the Christians fighting. Are you, are you kidding? You were just presented. Somebody just offered you up to another deity in public, on a public stage, wide open, under the guise of entertainment, and told you this ain't entertainment. If you get Beyonce, you're going to get her God or goddess. Are y'all following me still? Because that's what she did. So the next time your, your, your little so-called your fusion Christian friends, because we've got fusion Christians, those Christians, you let them know. When that woman did that, I'm telling you, for a, we could talk all day long, but she literally offered that entire audience and every viewer up to her God or her goddess. And you all, hey, well, it's entertainment. That's the con. And that goes all the way back to when they broke down and split Catholicism off from Protestantism. And when Queen Elizabeth I, you know, I, I got, what, four or five books on her? I, I read, I like this lady. She's like one of, I don't have many people that I, but that one gets with me. But when Queen Elizabeth I was def, defending her position 
She said, my God, Jesus Christ, made me queen to establish Protestantism in the new world. Yeah, right. So we can, we, it's all about gods and nations. It's always been, I don't care. And you thought it didn't matter until our last president proved us wrong. Because we thought we were, uh, 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 you know, uh, first of all, I was surprised to find out that we're not a democratic nation, we're a republic. I was like, wow. I was reading that on the internet with Brother Barton. I was like, oh, so we're not democratic? Okay. We have a democratic party, but America's a republic. And to the republic for which it stands. See, we are, have been buying this satanic rhetoric so long, he's been rewriting history so he can steal our destiny. Because that's the only reason why you mess with history, when you want to alter it to your personal destiny. And so I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that tonight, and I want to talk about, I told you, every man walks in the name of his God. I talked to you last week about, uh, and told you why our God, the God of God, can't be a goddess. I, I know they forgot that, actually. I bet you remember. I do. Can I you? think tonight you're going to connect them to God. Yes. Why can't he be a goddess? Multiplication, only one at a time. One at a time. If God was a goddess, we all wouldn't be here. Nine months to have a baby. Even if it's not nine weeks to grow a baby fast, which is an animal. Okay? And so nine months to have a baby and eggs that rot. Eggs that age and rot. So you put eggs in the ground and you put seed in the ground. And the eggs will rot and the seed will sprout. So that means that if I were God, I mean, just, just, it's just plain scientific logic that God can't be a woman. Because if so, he's going to stop reproducing at a certain time, and God's still having babies, still making people. Because why would I create myself in a way that would, would literally write me out of my creation and my creaturehood? See, see, some of this is scientific. You know, there are a couple of things I can't get to. I can't see scientists believing God's a woman. I can't buy that. Just because you don't like the idea, the facts already belie themselves. Nothing begins with an egg. Everything begins with a seed. That's just where we are, some sort of seed. I don't care if we can call them something else. We might not like seed. We can call it something else. But whatever it is, it still starts with that which reproduces. Not that which must conceive to reproduce. The word conceive is grab in. So that which must grab in in order to reproduce. And how, how is he going to do that? That can't happen. So we could talk, y'all can you walk, run around with that kind of crazy all day long. Yeah, go tell your friends. I'm talking about Beyonce on that thing tonight. Yes, I am. Hit me something. Boom. Yes, I am. Tell your friends because I want you to know you were offered up as an offering. You, you, the celebrity offered you up to her deity and made you bow to her as a goddess. Now, you can think it's fun, but let's think about Esau. Esau thought it was really fun to say, I don't need my birthright, but all the realm of the spirit knew it was true, and he couldn't get it back. We down in Hebrew, somebody, he started with tears. Some of you all have already sold your birthright in Jesus Christ, following trying to prove how open-minded you are. An open window not only takes in air, it takes in trash. So let me, I know, right, see? It's true. Is it not the truth? So I want to give you a prophecy before I go to my class. Is that all right? Y'all ready? 
Go ahead, tell your friends. Don't give and give a prophecy that's going to really shape the planet. So, you know, share, 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 tag, 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 send, 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 whatever. And you can put that down like that because I'm going to give you a word. Now, when God, give me a honey, man. Mm-hmm. Just had to think about him for a little bit. Mm, I bet you did. He's a yum, yum God. We I am. Hallelujah. See, I mean, come on, let's look at this. These fertility demons, all they got is sex. They ain't offering you nothing but sex and maybe some money that's going to be yours temporarily until you get old, at which point you're going to be broke. All they have, this woman, the best she can show you is her behind and, and her boobs. That's all you got, and that's a goddess. I don't want a god that has to do naked in order to make me think you got power. I ain't impressed with that, but that's just me. Because real power doesn't strip. It doesn't have to. So let me tell you this. I was talking to God about that, and then I was talking to my chief prophet, who happens to be my daughter, who will come in my room at old dark nothing and say, let's talk. When they're your kids, when you do. And I said to her, God said, I need you to give them this word. I told you in June of last year, about God sending Melchizedek in the land. And I told you later, Go, I don't know which ones they are, find them, I can't even help you. And I told you later, because I know some of my people out there are going to say, that's the so-and-so one, but that God also airdropped his own civilization in to vote for him, to put whom he wanted in office. I told you that. Now, I realize that, that most of the saints could not put two, two ounces of spiritual truth together if their life depended on it because they have never been trained to, they've never been baptized in it or anything. But I'm telling you that this world, I started introducing the concept of, of spiritual photographs last week. This world is not in our hands, nor is it in our care. When God wanted Nebuchadnezzar to come down because he had made him the most powerful man on the planet, he had to resort to the watchers and the holy ones. And they had to meet our judgment to bring him in because God wasn't about destroying him. He just wanted to use him. And so let me tell you how this works. So God said that he sent them in, and these are the reasons why he said it. He said because humanity has lost the power to fend off what's coming against it. Now, I want you to see this because I need you to wake up. And if you're an apostle or prophet, tell your people to get on now. If you are a prophet, if you're an apostle, if you're a pastor and a minister, tell your people to get on now because this is very vital, and I want you to hear it firsthand. So, number one, we are not alone. Number two, earth was not God's first work. Number three, God's world rules over this. Number four, spiritual progress, keep this thing going. As a matter of fact, when we get to the book of Revelation, we meet the seven of them that used to be before the throne that are now dispatched into all the earth for the church and the seven angels at the church of God. If you get my book, trusty little book, hallelujah, before the garden, God's eternal continuum. So let me tell you what God said about that thing, about Sister Beyonce, and about them doing these, uh, these uh, rituals as part of an act. So I said to God, wow, God, this is really good. You know how you all did it. We all got crazy. Didn't we get crazy? I'm like, oh, Jesus. He said, what she did was free him to face off with those gods that she's calling up. Now, this is a very powerful word, so I need you to push in with me. 
And, and the, the ten plagues was all about a God contest. It was all about, all about the God of, of Israel saying, let my people go. We made it a nice little movie. It wasn't nice. It was a God contest. Pharaoh at that time were considered to be the incarnation of their gods, of the Egyptian gods that put them in power. Well, that's all right, because Jesus Christ is the incarnation of the Almighty God. So, so here we go. God contest. In Exodus 12, Exodus 12, God made the tenth plague the end of it all. It was a ten-round bout, and the tenth plague was death. And God said, against all the gods of Israel, he said, I will render my judgment. And he pushed his judgment in. He said that the earth may know. Now, when you go to Daniel and we say the reason God drove Nebuchadnezzar crazy was that the living may know that the most high reigns in the realm of men. Psalm 82 says, God stands in the congregation of the mighty, and he judges among the gods. Huh. I like this. See, I like this thing because I'm getting excited. So God says, they free him to act. She put herself on goddess status, and he's coming against her, not as a human, but as a goddess, because she said that's who she is. She engaged Jesus Christ, the God of this land, in a contest. And I promise you by the Holy Ghost, these women will not win. I promise you that. They won't win because God has taken out less than that before. Now, he said, as long as everybody was fine, that was great. But you took, now you want to make it a perfect offering? This becomes Mount Carmel. Guys, you need to give up because we're entering into Mount Carmel on this instant. As surely as Jesus is the Lord. And he's going to take her out. I promise you. This won't last. When he said, he said, when they put themselves in that, now that is, I got the Bible. I don't have my own Bible here, and I don't like not having my, my, my personal Bible. But go and read Daniel 7. I mean, and read Daniel. This is, I think, why Daniel 5, where it's talking about, and Ezekiel, the two are together because they kind of talk, but it's talking about the king of Tyre and how he had pronounced himself a god. And when he did, God said, but you will die like a mortal because you only embody a fallen God. You, he cannot make you one. And he said, you will die like a mortal. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a powerful statement. And so <clears throat> the thing that I want you to get out of this is that the world has changed. And we, the church, have allowed it to change hands or to look like it's changing hands. God sent his own citizens into the planet because we allowed it to change hands. The church was so busy buying into the Jesus' love gospel that you forgot that before Jesus was loved, he was a sovereign, and he got a planet to keep. And he may lovingly send you to hell, or he may lovingly save your soul, but his first priority is his father's works, and we forgot that. We forgot that. And you have, I don't, when people start telling me that, I'm like, are you kidding? Because I want you to love somebody when they break in your house, tear up your kids, tear up your car. I want you to say, but God is love as they're plundering your goods. I want you to say, God is love while they're tearing up your butt, whooping your behind in your house. I want you to talk about how loving God should be. Because at that point, you're going to wish God wasn't love, and you're going to wish he turned like a person and protected you and saved you from yourself. 
So I'm telling you this. This this thing is on, and it's bad. It's not going to be pretty. I promise you it won't. Because God told me very clearly, he said, they have released me now to act as God. I don't have to be just the son of man. I can now act like the son of man, the son of God, the sovereign of creation, the Messiah of the world, and I can now face off with them in my station because they put themselves in my strata. I don't know about you, Archie, but is that something or what? Are they following me at all? Yes, they are. Because I'm telling you, this thing is about to get crazy, and it's about to be ruthless because there's a side. Here's what I want you to get. Somebody hit Let me hit them go something. I got to hit it. Hit dog. Yeah, I had to hit something. I didn't even know this because when I first heard it, I, I was like all the rest of the He said, no, no, no. When you push yourself in my strata, I treat you like one of mine. I treat you like you, are, you think you're immortal. You're selling yourself as immortal. I'm going to come against you as an immortal. Because, see, God is not mocked, and he is not afraid to act. And as long as folks stay out of his stuff and stay quiet, as long as they was underground, it was fine. When they decided, let's come out in daylight, God's like, it's on. You know, we got, we got video of them been doing all of this crazy underground. But now they decide they want to do it. This woman's devil has signed her own warrant. That's how serious this is. And God's not losing his place because of something crazy, but he's also not going to let this become a trend. He's getting ready to detrend de- this thing. He told me, I'm not letting this become a trend. And every time somebody gets up in that strata, they die. We haven't seen it. Can you explain what happened? Because a lot of people didn't see it. You explain. Well, I'll I'll say what I saw because uh, <laughs> I didn't see it either. Uh, but she, I don't know whatever song she did, but was dressed, I believe, like the goddess Kali. Is it Kali, the the the, the fire goddess? Uh, I thought it was. Bi- I, thought, I don't know. I don't okay. know which one it was, but she had the goddess thing on mm-hmm. and was doing, I guess, the dancing and the mm-hmm. rituals um, in line with calling up those. African spirit? African well, yeah, Macaulay would be Hindu. I don't think she'd yeah. be African. I know, but mm-hmm. I know. But, but she's calling them up, and she's making an offer. And here's the thing. The thing that you need to know, because to you all, the reason this woman is successful, because you all could not discern that she didn't belong to Jesus Christ and that she hated our country. O-S-H-U-N. O-S-H-U-N. Okay. That's what I thought. I didn't think it was called. Uh-huh. But whatever one it is. And somebody knows what we're talking about. But you all, you, I keep saying people are not successful because God approves. They're successful because you approve. They're successful because you buy the albums and you go to the shows and you buy the, watch the videos. She's been pushing towards this from the first time she said she was channeled by something. She went from being channeled to getting the promotion. This is a scary thing, God. And it's scary that Christians are talking about, well, yeah, but God is love. Let me tell you something. Even landlords defend their property, however loving they may be. Nobody's going to hand you the deed to their stuff. We belong to, to the Lord God of hosts. And God is the founder. The Lord Jesus Christ is the founder of the United States of America. They, did not, they don't have another God that we're arguing about. Not another God is standing up here saying, this is mine. Uh-uh. You're trying to give it to other gods. You don't have a piece of paper that says that. You don't have a document to say that, not even the document that's that, that formed our nation. You have none. You're trying to convert us from Christianity, convert us from Jesus Christ to something else. 
If you don't have anything to say, then he left. And if, and he, if that woman sent us, sent those pilgrims here, sent those people here to found Protestantism. Protestantism, Protestantism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't care what anybody else said. I'm saying the sovereign documents are to that end. And we need to stop making I'm trying to say, like, but we're not, we weren't founded on a religion. Every country is founded on a religion. Atheism is nothing but a religion of the flesh. The person makes themselves God. That's all it is. There's still a deity in it. It, it. They just deify themselves. Because trust me, whatever you worship, that is your God. That's the rule. And if you worship yourself, then you are your God. And as long as you leave the Most High God alone, he lets you do that. He don't get involved. He's like, well, you know, i got bigger issues. But when you start taking down his planet and then trying to take down his nation, his son's inheritance. When I pray, intercessors, you want to know what to pray? This is what I pray. God, defend your son's inheritance. He fought for it. He died for it. He laid down. He took 39 strikes for it. He was beaten all night long. He went to the grave. He went to hell. He fought in hell. He deserves it. It is his inheritance. And I'm telling you, when you ask me, why not? this is his inheritance, and you, we got courts, probate courts to protect inheritance. Who's protecting Jesus? That was our job to protect our Savior's inheritance in return for, for setting aside his sovereignty, for, in return for becoming flesh, in return for, for coming through the womb of a woman, in return for walking on the dirtiest, dustiest planet and still laying down and giving himself for us. God said, I will give you the nations as your inheritance. He said, I will give you the Gentiles. He had the Jews. He said, but I will give you the Gentiles. He said, I'm telling you, Abraham's covenant is not Moses' law. Those are two different covenants. Moses' law is for the Jews. Abraham's covenant is for the nation. I will make you a father of many nations, which is why God brought Jesus through Abraham's seed, through Abraham's lineage. He dropped him in there and then brought him through. How do you know he dropped them in there? Because they had no children for like a lot of years. And so he dropped him in there and then brought him through, all the way through. See, some things are not hard. They just have to be clarified. And what I like to do is clarify what's going on. See, part of like even when I look at the saints going back and we're going to all do the, the feast and all of that, that's not the covenant for the Gentiles. That's not the covenant that God made. He said this covenant he made with Abraham. And Abraham guaranteed that before there was a law, guaranteed that anybody with the faith of Abraham would be saved. Even these people who are full of whatever, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, whosoever believes on him will not perish but have eternal life. But you have got to recognize when you are being stalked as a, as a Christian. And right now, major demonic predators are out for Christians. Excuse me. So I'm ready to go over here. Ashley, how are they doing with me? Oh, they're rolling with you guys. Because, you know, I need your people. They're my folk. And you know what? But I need them to be God's people. Could we make some more God's people? Discipling apostolic Christians. Hallelujah. Oh, how about I need to put the, see the little guy. I need this little guy. 
he, he, he kind of communicates everything. And I want you to know that we have got to start doing better with our God, and we have got to start teaching our children better. This whole thing did not happen overnight, so it will not be resolved overnight. But I will tell you this much. When the people of God pray and the intercessors get on the wall and when my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, seek my face, you know, because sometimes we just want to sling a prayer and go and turn. So humble, seek, turn from your wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. And right now, a lot of saints, a lot of saints are not in it for Jesus to win it. They're not interested in this man winning at all. They're interested in enjoying what they call a spiritual rush. And that's sad. So let's look at what we got going on. I'm ready now. I think actually it might work. What do you think? Okay. Is it working? All right. Look at you all agile. Okay, so we've been teaching organic Christianity, and I've been teaching it from the perspective of, um, let's see what we got here, of the Christian. Let me see, because I'm trying to get this back. I, I didn't get it right. I did it wrong, actually. See how I need you to help me out here? <laughs> I did it wrong. You did? I did, okay. Connie. Okay. Well, we're moving on. Okay, see? All right, so the first thing we're going to talk about is what is a Christian and what is an apostolic Christian, what produces an apostolic Christian, what manifests an apostolic Christian, and how apostolic Christians differ. So the first thing, what is a Christian, is a literal offspring of the spiritual seed makeup of Jesus Christ. We are not a Christian because we profess. We profess because we were born from above. You can't even profess Christ as anything unless he's on the inside of you. The second thing, apostolic Christian is the first Christians to ever be born on the planet. And these are the Christians that are born from apostles' doctrines, from apostles' methods, from apostles' ministries in the beginning because God founded his church with apostles. He founded his church with apostles and begot Christians with, through apostles. What produces that, an apostolic Christian? The doctrines of the apostles, the commandments of the apostles, the expressions, the teachings, the, the, um, the examples and injunctions of the apostles, the power, the signs, the wonders, the miracles, and on and on and on. And none of this is genuinely is generally taught to up-and-coming up apostles. They just claim it, claim it, and then run with it. And so... What, what manifests an apostolic Christian? Organic Christianity. Being culturally unmodified, leaving culture. Those first Christians had to leave their cultures behind. They had to leave their deity. Some of them had to leave their families, and they had to leave their religions behind because they became born again. And they understood that being born from a deity is not what we think. We think it's just some sort of wonderful uh, way of just saying something else. But they didn't. They understood it meant dying to their old self, dying to their old God, dying to their mother's God, their father's God, their national God, and being born again to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is what happened with him. Now, dying for deity was no big deal. They had tons and tons of rituals, pagan rituals, revolve around this annual circuit of the, of the deity that dies in one season and is born again in another season. 
So Jesus had to put in the scriptures that it's accounted to us once to die and then the judgment because he was refuting that particular piece of pagan theology, one of the many of them, that was making its way into the doctrine of Jesus Christ and his gospel. So how, how do apostolic Christians differ? We are not from culture. We are scripturally organic. Apostolic Christians are organic Christians. In other words, we, the, that's what the apostles produced. We forget. We act like we don't know what they produce. We are, they produce that. Today, we need apostles to right now beget Christians organically because many of you joined the church and were told you were saved because you joined. Don't you went to the altar, recited a prayer that, was, that, was, that you were led in, I'm leading you in the prayer of salvation, and you say you're saved because you said the prayer. Now your gut tells you something is wrong because you look around at other Christians and say, you know what, I'm not like that, you know? I don't love God like that. I wish I could, but I don't. Huh? Or you'll look around at other Christians and say, you know, talking about how much Bible they read. Huh, I don't even know how anybody can read the Bible. It's so boring. I can't stand it. That tells you that you recited a prayer to become a Christian, but the other major factor that slaughters your old soul and brings the new you into existence did not happen because you didn't believe in those factors. You didn't believe in that. That's why you became a churchian when you meant to become a Christian. And you went there because, and, and like she said earlier to the blog talk, folks, you, you, some of you all had a real salvation, and then you met this, the, the rebellious, unhappy saint. Yeah, well, yeah, but you know, give it time. It'll wear off. So you started putting your faith and your euphoria and your love for God and your passion wearing off. But when you are born, let me tell you something about being born again. I don't care what anybody tells you. When you are born again by the formula of the Lord Jesus Christ, you ain't know it. Most, most people who are really born again can tell you the day they were born again. Oh, yeah, but see, it was a, and where they were when they got born again, and what preacher was preaching when they got born again, and how God saved them. Those become your new creation vital statistics. And some of you have no new creation vital statistics. Now, you know that's good. I should hit something. Okay. <laughs> How about that? Okay, Sam? <laughs> she always wants me to hit something. She does. So, hear me. You check your faith by your vital statistics. And then you find out you have that second round when you get born again and get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That adds to your vital statistics. You know where you are when the Holy Ghost gave you God's language. You know what you were doing. See, it's time now for us to stop letting people tell me, well, they feel saved. When you, when, let me tell you something. Half of us don't even feel saved half the time. Salvation just takes us over. Because a lot of times, you know, people want to run things. We just love praying. Let me tell you something. That's not that. No, no, the born-again Christian. No, no, baby. We're fighting all the time. But there are vital statistics that you ought to be able to rattle off. I got saved in 1982, and really 1981. Jesus walked in my room, in my bedroom. I said, if I'm yours, please show me, because at that time I knew I wasn't. Steeped in the occult, living every kind of which way, and that man walked in my room, touched me, and saved my soul, and sang to me on his way out. March 19, 81. 
in November, excuse me, October 1982, baptized with the Holy Ghost. November 1982, heavens opened, baptized me again. At that time, I didn't know it was for ministry. Nobody told me that. I'm a Baptist girl. Do I know? Oh, no. And I'm telling you this because I remember them. And when, I, when I'm struggling with God, we revisit how we met. And we revisit how we connected. When God saved me, he delivered me from the occult in 1982 on the floor. Those devils were trying to kill me. I was dying, I'm telling you. And Jesus came out of nowhere, popped that thing off of me, and he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I had never read that anywhere. Never heard it. Never. I was like, really? Huh. Because remember, I'm in corporate America. They think they're God. I'm in their cult. They think they're God. You know, I'm in false church. They think it's God. And there we go. And I remember that. The vital statistics of your new birth are important. That's why many of you, you, they, you got saved. They told you to write it in your Bible. And they told you because it became, you were building your vital statistics. And what many of us do not have vital statistics of our salvation. A lot of these people say, well, I just grew up in church, so I know I must be saved. No, baby, you grew up in church. That's like saying you grew up in the White House, so you must be the president. Where you grow is not necessarily where you, where you reign or, where, or who rules over you. And so I'm talking to somebody specific tonight because, see, some of you all went to those youth meetings. You went to those youth camps. You went to those little, those little summer things. Y'all sang some songs. Wasn't it sweet? Well, how I love you in this grave. Okay? You loved it. That was wonderful. And you thought because you sniffed and snotted and cried and told Jesus how much you loved him in the moment that you were saved. And then you went back to church and you went through the rope mechanics of Christianity. And you never repented of your sin. You never believed God needed to save you. You were a little kid. What could you do wrong? So why repent? Some of you all, well, I, listen, I've never done anything wrong in my life. The fact that you say that, say you're wrong because you don't understand that sin is not only what you do, it's what you are. But what you do is what you are. And so you never repented. Some of you all have never said, God, I know I'm a sinner. When your vital statistics are correct, guess what you will have in the bottom of your list? What God saved you from, why he had to get on the cross for you. That he died for the whole world is wonderful. But why did he die for you? What was it about you that prevented you from being his child, from entering his world, prevented his spirit from entering you, prevented your ticket to eternal life? You lived a certain way. I don't care what. A lot of people, some of you all, you were like, I'm really good. Some of you girls, men and women, I'm a virgin. No, you're masturbating. You need salvation. You got some of you all have drug issues, pill issues. You had drinking issues. Some of you girls had abortions. You never came back from that. You never repented of that abortion because you felt like, hey, God knew I had no choice. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that that affects your vital statistics. But Jesus knows my sin. Yes, he knew it. But you know what? You need to know what he knows about your sin because you can't repent of what you don't know. So you need to be aware of why he had to shed his blood for you. It's nice that he poured out his blood for the world. It's wonderful. It's great. But as we already know, all the world is not going to receive it anyhow. But why did he die for you? Why did he call your name? 
Why did he draw you into his church? To sing? God's got angels that I'll sing us. Oh, my God, I've heard of They are scary. He's got angels that I'll sing us while they're working and doing other things. To preach? God's got angels that preach the gospel. The Bible said they preach the, they preach the gospel to Abraham. Enoch got the gospel from the angels. When, when, when the church leaves the planet, the angels will be, take, take up preaching the everlasting gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the gospel is not going to leave until the last soul says yes or no. Some of you all, you thought, you figured you were Christians because you just you got tired of this and tired of that. And I can tell you how, how much of a Christian you are. If you are that one that's walking around here bashing this man's church, trying to change his church, try, you're not a Christian. You never, ever got born again. You may have modified your behavior for church life, but you never got born again. Because when you're born again, you know it. And guess what? Everybody tells you. Let me tell you something. The, 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 I'm telling you, the staunchest sinner in the world will pick out Christians in a line of 100. They will pick them out. Even if you're wearing a clergy collar, they'll say, no, you ain't saved. No, that boy, you, you faking it, you ain't really saved. Some of you all got up and hope it took, and you can't admit you're wrong. You cannot admit you're wrong, which is why you keep making wrong decisions in Christ. Some of you all, you got saved, God baptized you with the Holy Ghost, and you know what? You were like the parable of the seed and the sower in the word. The enemy, some of you all, the enemy smashed that seed right off the top. The rest of you all, still as life got rough, you left. And you put your Christianity on the shelf, in the basement, in the luggage. You locked it down. But most of these people that are fighting with you today, you are fighting with them as if Christ is in these people. He is not. Because what, when Christ is in you, he shed his love abroad in your heart. When Christ is in you, you literally understand. You care about him. You may not know how to do it right. You don't have all of the answers. You still learn the scriptures, A, B, C, D, who, who is in. That's fine. But I'm telling you, you know Jesus Christ, and he can control you. He can speak to you. These people that you all are arguing with, God can't talk to them because he's not in them. They're in his house. They're in his church. So a lot of us, a lot of saints, a lot of people who are, we call Christian are a number having a sleepover in the house of God. They're just sleeping over. But we're just hanging out because I'm telling you, the strict, and we don't want to admit that. Because you don't want to admit that. I mean, to me, I think churches, you know, I, I was with a couple of people talking about you don't need an altar call. Yeah, you do, because some people need to think about whether or not they want to be filled with the Holy Ghost or filled with Jesus Christ. Because there are people in church that love the praise and worship. They come to hear the singing. They don't come to serve God. They don't even come to worship. They come like a concert. There are people who come who like the word because they think of Jesus as a great philosopher. They, they'll come. There are others who come because they just like the spirit of the church. The Holy Spirit makes them feel good. But none of those things convict them of their sins. And you cannot be born again without you acknowledging your sin. And this whole concept, this whole crazy thing that people have, well, if, if, if people cry over their sin, then there's something wrong with the Christians. Are you kidding me? Criminals cry all the time. Criminals always cry. And a lot of them, when you give them their, their sentence, they're crying all the time. They go to jail, get the butt book because they're in the camp of criminals. They cry. People cry over heartache. People cry over broken hearts, broken relationships. They cry over 
a lost jobs and still no. So don't tell me that there's something wrong, that they're traumatized because I'm trying to give them, bring them into the life of Christ. That's crazy. But see, you couldn't defend that. I'm on here every week giving you language to help you defend the faith that you took in your soul and hope to get you to glory. Every day. We're doing this. Every week you need to understand that. So you have to recognize what makes Christians different. You cannot sit down there with all those other religions and say, me too and us too, because there are no me too, us too in the past. We are it. Jesus Christ broke the record of divine beings when he instituted evangelism because deities didn't evangelize. They prophesied, but they didn't evangelize. They went after regions, battles, converts, whatever, because they didn't have to compete. They all had a friendly agreement. You don't touch mine, I won't touch yours. Now, if you were weak and you had an especially aggressive deity, then they're going to come in on your land. But that is not what Jesus did. He did not do it like that. He preached a message that bypassed hearts, I mean bypassed minds and went right to hearts. And even now, the gospel, you know some of us were saved 17, 20 years before the gospel made sense. We just stayed with Jesus. It didn't make sense. We did what? We were Nicodemus for 20 years. Well, how can a man go back and be born? How, how's that? I don't, I don't understand that. I don't, I don't get it. And that's the truth. You need to recognize, you need to pull out your vital statistics, and you need to say, when you got saved, you got vital statistics for your natural life, you need to have vital statistics for your eternal life. I got saved on this day. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost on this day. My relationship with Jesus Christ is this. I was baptized at 12. I wasn't saved, but I was baptized, and I knew God touched me that day, but I didn't know why. Two years later, I walked away from him and told him I'd be back at 40. He was, thankfully, he didn't listen, so he came 10 years earlier. So much for telling God what to do. Is this working for you all? I've got a few minutes to just share one or two things with you if I can. What we're facing, based on how I open this, is God's imminent removal of America's dem- high demonic principalities. We're going to walk this through a little bit in the future, but I needed you to think about that, that God is going after these deities in his high seat. Now, he already has take, been taking them out. I told you, it's not 2017, year to clean out. I want you to understand, these people, these little celebrities that you all think, they are fallen stars, and they're stars that are about to fall, and you need to know that. You need to know that, and you all need to stop worshiping their deities. You need to find out who their gods are, okay? These spirits mask themselves under the cloak called humanism, you know, free will, free thinking, open-mindedness, and sophistication. All right. But America's dark principalities, these are people are at the center of everything. Their needs, issues, problems, will, wants, and desires prevail over all else. Now, I'm going to give you this last one, and this is the one that I want you to understand. All right, witchcraft. Can you see that? Because I, I know, because I don't know why it changed colors here, but it did. Maybe we'll go to the next one. Okay. Um, but I want you to see witchcraft, sorcery, pharmacia, drug addiction. That's the oblation. Fertility. That's the hypersexuality. That's passing deities through sexual. Remember, 
sex is the, the devil's transit system. If it's the transit system of, of babies and the, and the life of kids, you need to know it's a transit system. Idolatry, worshiping any God but Jesus Christ. Adultery, breaking your covenant with God. When you commit adultery with Christ, it is very easy to fall into adultery in the flesh. Humanity, I like this one. It's all about humans. You know, we got to love one another. You realize how often you talk about we are obligated to love our neighbors and nobody says the front of that thing, which is to love your, the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and then your neighbor as yourself. First, you love your God, and the last one is homosexuality, perversion or destruction of the procreation mandate on humanity. It's important that you know that. These are real. These are real issues, and I want you to recognize that. We've got one more to go. Humanism seeks to hide the truth that all spiritual and governmental conflicts are about gods and nations. Last passage, because we only have three minutes. If it's the three minutes we got, what do we have that? Okay. Judges 5.8. They chose new gods, then was war in the gates. Was there a shield or spear still seen among 40,000 in Israel? That's a powerful statement, and unless you know God's experiences, that doesn't make sense. Number one, they chose new gods. So when you listen, you know, they, the, 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 the whole democratic thing that they're talking about is deity. Because it's, it's, that's how they are. I mean, come on, modernists, some guys are always fighting. Every one of them. And, and the answers are always fighting. And yet they say that there's a democratic system that doesn't work. You cannot have it. There has to be somebody that settles everything. And that just is the way it is. Then was there war in the gate. So when you, they started bringing in those new gods, God started defending himself, making it himself do what he wants, and they started fighting each other. And then here's the powerful part. Was there a shield or spear seen among 40,000? What is it? The peace doctrine had taken over. And between being stripped of their weapons by the new uh, regime that came into their land and being talked out of defending themselves by surrendering the peace message, we, we are going to kill. We don't need to have to defend ourselves. Between those two things, they were a prey to whatever came by. Now, this is judges. This is not America in the United States. There's Cookie Satchel. She's just going to tell us. I should have waited for her. She would have told us. And so... The last piece here, Jeremiah, hath the nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods, but my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. O ye heavens at this, and be hardly afraid, be very desolate, saith the Lord. Now I want you to know, why is he telling the heavens? Because what's in the heavens? Those spiritual photographs. Those All right, you know, Cookie's pressing in, so we're going to have to, because you know she's going to keep going until she cuts us off, and we don't want that. I love you. I, I'll come back. We're going to finish this here, but I hope you, I, I'm encouraging you to go back and listen to this again and again and again and pass it on, especially to your young people, because some of them need to know that they have got to get it right with Jesus, too. God bless you until Thursday morning for the Paul of Christ show, and have a great day tomorrow.